Hey everyone, this is Pastor Steve from Faith Community Church, and you are listening to Faith That Works, podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. We're so excited that you've taken time to listen to these words today. Our desire is that this would push you to a closer, deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Let's take out our Bibles to the book of Colossians. That's pretty good. I heard, I heard a big yeah at the end. That's pretty good. You understand why we're doing this? I'm not doing it because I'm just crazy. I'm doing it because I want you to get excited about your Bible. Let's take out our Bibles. Amen? Come on. Let's go. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Let's talk about, let me give you some background information. But before we do that, we got to bring it home. Let's pray. Amen? We've been all over the place, but now let's dig into God's word. Amen? God, we need you. We just sang about it. We need the word now to come in and to change our hearts, expose the true nature of who we really are. And God, maybe we've been hiding, but the word of God puts a spotlight on the secret places of our heart. So God, do your great work in us that God, we might leave different than we came in. And it's because of your promise, your presence, your word, it shapes us. It molds us, God. It makes us into your son, our blessed Jesus. So, God, help us now as we study this book together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's talk about where Colossians is, okay? Mike, let's get to that next image. If you'll know, because some of this background information might be boring, but I think it's important because it's important to know context. Can I get an amen? It's important to know the background and why something was written and why Paul wrote it. This, the interesting thing is Colossians uh, is a letter from Paul to a group of people that he had never met. He had never met these people. And so he writes them a letter to encourage them because he had heard about some things from a friend of his that had helped start the church. And so he writes it. So Now, if you'll notice, this is a map of what we would call now modern-day Turkey. Now, you'll see the green dots are the churches we just talked about, right? The seven churches of Revelation. Pergamon, Thyatira, Philadelphia, Sardis, Smyrna, Ephesus, right? Laodicea. Right down the street from Laodicea is the town of Colossae, right? Kind of a, kind of a suburb, a smaller town, kind of driven by uh, the, the economy. Now, if you remember, how many of you remember when we studied Laodicea, we talked about these purple sheep. If you remember that, right? The minerals were so rich in the water that the sheep's wool literally turned purple. So as they sheared the sheep, this fabric was very expensive, drove the economy. But Colossae, believe it or not, right not long after this letter was written, right, we're talking about the year about 60 A.D. So Jesus has been gone about 30 years. Paul's in the middle of his ministry, right? And so not long after this letter was written, actually an earthquake came and destroyed the city. But this is a letter to encourage the people of Colossae from Paul. So you kind of see where it's located. So you can go to the next one. You're good. So approximately 60 A.D. Now, Paul was under house arrest. This is important to know. Because if you read the book of Acts towards the end, you'll notice that Paul really wants to get to Rome. Okay? He wants to talk to Caesar. He wants to share his story and the gospel with all these important people. And so what happens is he is under house arrest. Can you imagine? He, he has to pay his own rent. 
He's, he's uh, with Roman soldiers, and people could come and go, but he was under house arrest in Rome. And so there's these things called the prison letters, right? These four letters, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, all four of these were written at a time that Paul was under house arrest. So Colossians is one of those letters. We talked about Epaphras. I want you to see that name under who? The Church of Colossae started by Epaphras. So when Paul was in Ephesus, right? You're familiar with the book of Ephesians. He was in a town called Ephesus. He was there about two years, which was a long time for Paul to be in one town. He started the church in Ephesus. And one of the persons who was saved out of the church of Ephesus was a guy by the name of Epaphras. So Epaphras, right, is saved under Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He goes home, his home, Colossae. So Epaphras is saved in Ephesus, goes home to Colossae, and starts a church, right? Based upon the teachings that Paul had taught him. He starts converting people in Colossae. So they've got a little home Bible study, a little home church. They're studying God's Word. So things started getting sideways in the church of Colossae. So what Epaphras did was, he says, I need some help. So he travels to Rome to find Paul under house arrest. He goes, Paul, I got some, our church, the church in Colossae, we've got some, you're going to see it in a minute, motor oil. <laughs> anybody know, anybody familiar with motor oil? Got a little motor oil. I mean, I know you said, you, you said vegetable oil, but my people in Colossae have been throwing in some motor oil to our theology. And Paul's like, here's what we'll do. I'll write a letter, you take it back, you read it to them. I'll fix this right now. Because what happens is they were wanting to talk about everything but Jesus. Can I tell you we get sideways real quick when we forget about Jesus? Look at most of your churches now, right? They, they want to focus on everything in the world. But I want to tell you, here's what we're going to be, faith community. It's going to be about Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, Jesus in the evening. We're going to be about Jesus. Can I tell you what next Saturday's about? It's not about turkey. It's about Jesus. I'm going to give you a turkey. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Now hold on. That's what this is about. The love of Jesus permeating everything that we do outside of the walls of this church. Today, the worship, it wasn't about you. I'm sorry, we did not sing songs for you. We sang songs for Jesus. It's about Jesus. And so what happened was the church in Colossae had kind of went sideways on that. Who is Jesus? Devaluing, depreciating Jesus. And Paul's like, I'm going to write a letter. We're going to get this straight. And so here's one of the things. Here was the purpose to address. Go back, if you don't mind, one slide. The purpose is to address cultural and religious relativism. Now watch this. That's a scary word. When people want to make Jesus fit culture instead of culture adjusting to Jesus. We want Jesus to be relatable, so we're going to water him down. Don't water down Jesus. Can, can, I, can I encourage you with that real quick? D don't change the gospel. Don't twist the word. Don't water anything down. We, we, Jesus will relate to people right where they are. In fact, people need to come to where Jesus is. If, 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 if I am in need, I have to come to where you are. I can't ask you, does that make sense? So in cultural relativism, I think what he's addressing is this Jesus that they were trying to make fit into their mold. We don't want to change, but we'll add Jesus to what we're doing. That's a problem. 
Jesus is not coming to make you feel comfortable. Jesus is coming to change you. I, I might have to say that again because that's so good. Some of y'all need to put that out there this afternoon on your little platform. Now, I don't think I can say it again because I've already messed my thought up. But you understand Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. Thank you. Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. He came to change you. Right? So, so don't, don't start trying to make Jesus adjust to you. You adjust to Jesus, right? So we got to be careful. So the, 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 the false teaching, the cultural religious relativism led to motor oil. Let's go to the next slide. Let's talk about what motor oil, right? So he's dealing with a group of people called Jewish Gnostics, right? This is a group of people who thought there was just mystery in the knowledge. It was not about the truth. It was just about everybody could have this is kind of sounding familiar. Their own secret knowledge. Right? Hey, there is no truth. Mark Bricky's got a truth. Russ Frame's got a truth. Those truths don't have to be the same as long as your truth works for you. Hey, anybody listening? Right? Are we not seeing the same thing today? You just figure out your own truth. This drives me crazy, right? You be you. What? How about you be Jesus? Well, I'm not like Jesus. Then get there. Die until you get there. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't saying, okay, you know, you're going to be fine just the way you are. You're not going to be fine just the way you are. You're going to have to change. And can I tell you, you cannot change. Only Jesus can change you. But you have to come to him, right? So these Jewish Gnostics, let's talk about a few things. So the Jewish part they were giving up certain foods. They're very legalistic, rules driven. You got to do this. You got to jump through this hoop. You got to do this thing. Now, the Gnostic side, let's talk about that. It was a mystical wisdom. They worshiped angels. Knowledge was greater than faith. Now, watch this. They believed that everything was evil. Everything was evil. All matter was evil. So, because everything was evil, Jesus would never have come. God would never have come because God is too perfect to come down to holy, uh, to, to this evil world. So God is at a distance and we are on our own. So you've got to find out your own knowledge for yourself. They did not believe in a personal relationship with God. They just believed everything was evil. God didn't make evil so he keeps his distance. Now this word is important, asceticism. Since the body is evil... If we torture ourselves, right, then we can become some type of spirituality through self-torture, through self-denial. But again, it's self. You following that? A lot of people think that if I'm hard enough on myself, I can get holy. Can I tell you, you can't make yourself holy? Now, wait a minute. Somebody say, well, what am I doing all this nonsense for? Why am I reading my Bible? Why am I abstaining? Why am I not, 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 not? What are the Ten Commandments except not to just refrain me from doing what I want to do? And I want to be holy based upon what I do. You can't get there. Can I tell you the Bible is very clear? That your righteousness is filthy rags. You living the very best life you can. Pastor, I'm living a perfect life. <laughs> filthy is what you are. Filthy rags is what you are, but Jesus makes us holy. Our devotional today, my wife and I do a devotional together this morning. It talks about the mystery 
of the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. In other words, Christ has made me righteous, not based upon anything that I've done, but because he has come into my life and he has given me holy catfish, his righteousness. I am righteous not on what I've done, but because Christ has said, you know what? You need some righteousness. You can have mine. What I can have the righteousness of Jesus. You know why? Because I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there on my own. I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't be holy enough. I couldn't live my life in such a way to get to righteousness. So Jesus came, hung on the cross, and now he gives me his righteousness. You know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to worship again. We ought to fire up the band. Let's go. Let's do this some more because I don't know if we were thankful enough for that. That's where I want to live. I want to live in that kind of gratitude like, oh man, that can't. God, are you sure you want to do that? Right? I heard of somebody this week giving their brand new driver, just got their license, a brand new car. And I thought, not real smart. Going to wreck it. Going to wreck it. Hope you got some insurance. Good insurance. Oh, help you, hope you plan on paying a lot more because in a few months you'll be going to be triple. Right? Don't get, I, I, I'm telling you, you, you do what you want to do with your children. First car, junk. Junk. Why? One, they're going to wreck it. Two, if they ever get anything nicer, they will appreciate it. You got to drive something terrible and appreciate even one step up. Amen? Right? So what Jesus has done for us, we, we come to him needy and help us. Now I know, I know you're a terrible person. Have my righteousness. Take the keys out. Go for it. Oh, it's too much responsibility, right? That's amazing to me that God trusts me. Think about that. He's trusting you. This ain't even on this all free stuff right now. You ready? He's trusting you to go out and to be like Jesus. He gives you the keys to the car. He gives you the righteousness of his own son. Now he says, go live up to it. And then I know if you're like me, you're like, I can't get there. You got to try though. You got to work. You, I've already been given the righteousness. The righteousness is already done. Now I want to go out and live holy. Be holy. For I am holy. He's imputed me that righteousness. Let's go on to the next slide. Watch this. So the question was about Jesus, Okay. But let's go back to culture for just a second. So relativism creates a depreciation of Christ and understanding for who he is. Culture says you're going to be okay, right? You're going to be okay. Tell me you've heard some of these. Just believe. Believe what? Don't, don't worry about that. All you got to do is believe. And every, when you die, it'll be okay. Can I tell you that's a lie? Because it actually matters what you believe. Or I'll even take it a step further. Who you believe. That's what matters most of all. How about this? Just do your best. Be a good person. Just do your best. Now, I'm telling you, what we need is Jesus. And all these statements make it about us. Do your best, right? Just believe. Just be sincere. Just be sincere. Just do what works for you. Just, this is the word now, love everyone. Just love. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you Love. And what we've talked about is there are two sides to the coin. Love on one side, truth on the other. 
Love and truth have to coexist together. And culture has taken this word called love, and if you operate in truth, they'll tell you that's not love. Now follow that. Check that. You follow me? You with me on that? If you say something's wrong because God's word says it's wrong and I'm walking in the truth, you can't tell me what to do. That's not loving. But actually love is telling me when the house is on fire and to get out. Is that love? You know, I know you're watching TV and the house is on fire, so I'll just leave you alone. Because I love you. I love you. And that's a good episode. And I don't want you to miss it. I mean, it's the last thing you'll ever watch, but I love you. I love you so much. I'm going to go on outside and live. You enjoy your Netflix and die because I love you. Right? Isn't that not what we're doing? Isn't that not what we're doing? Hey, you're going to be okay. Hey, hey, you're going to be okay. We got a whole world of people not okay. And we have a responsibility to tell them. And, 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 and here's the thing. Well, if I tell them the house is on fire, they may be offended. What? <laughs> if I tell them the house, I don't want to interrupt your Netflix and tell you the house is on fire, but it is, and it might hurt your feelings if I interrupt you right now. And I, I just, I don't, you know, I would tell you about Jesus, but I don't want to, oh, God help us. I don't want to push you away. So we're refraining from telling people the truth, right? How do I get to heaven? Well, you just figure that out on your own. What? We, we know the answer. Give people the answer. What's two plus two? It's whatever you want it to be. It's just whatever you want it to be. You, you, you like the number five? Is that a good number for you? It can be five, baby. Make it a five. Two plus two is five. Good luck with that. Have fun. <laughs> Why don't you just go ahead and build a house on that? Let's see how that works. <laughs> right? Is this not what we're doing? Right? And so what we've got to do is tell people, hey, you're telling me two plus two is five. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I have, a, I have a, a system here that tells you you're wrong. And I'm telling you you're wrong because I love you. Because I don't want you to build a two plus two equals five house. That house ain't going to work. That house is going to fall down. You're going to think you can go to bed at night and be safe in that 2 plus 2 equals 5 house, but you're not. And I love you too much to let you live in a 2 plus 2 equals 5 house. Are you following me, church? And so what we've got to do is to be faithful to the truth, point them, and it's, it, can I just be honest? It's 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's not your truth. That's the truth. That's just the truth, right? It's, it's not offensive, if you tell me the sky's blue, it just is, right? It just is. And if somebody says, hey, the sky's looking kind of green today, nope, nope, not, it's not. It's blue. It's the way it is. You follow me there? So we just got to be faithful. Let's go on the next slide. Watch this. So we must understand who Jesus is, and we're going to talk about a lot of this because Paul clears up to the Colossians who Jesus is. Here's three things. We're, we're going to talk this is big picture stuff. Jesus is king over creation. He's king over his church. And he's king over his children. Can I tell you, Jesus is the king. He's the king. And if you don't recognize him as a king, he's not offended. He still is the king. You don't need to tell him he's in charge because he is in charge. 
He is the king to a group of people, to a whole world that say, I don't know, I think I want to be king over my own life. Good luck with that, but that's not going to work. Jesus is the king. He's always been. He always will be. Your life is to find out what the king wants and live according to the rules that the king set up. Just live your life according to the king. He's not even a mean king. He's a beautiful king. And he loves creation. He loves his church. And he loves his children. And he's king over it all. And if we could start, listen, if we could have a revelation, if we could just have a revelation, if you could leave the rest and live all week, Jesus, you're the king. You're the king. Whatever you want, Jesus, because you're the king. Well, what should I do about this? Why don't you ask the king? Well, I'm not sure if I should do this or not. Ask the king. Have you read the king's book? He's got a great book. You ought to read the king's book, right? I, I told the students in chapel this week, I, you know, because we, we, we got to talking a little bit because I think a lot of the kids are like, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. It's kind of what's going on, right? And I said, you know, what if you worked for, we have, we have, we have for some reason, our school, everybody works at Chick-fil-A. I don't know if that's because God has ordained Chick-fil-A or it's, it's a Christian place to work, but like all our kids work at Chick-fil-A. And so I told them, I said, there's an employee handbook. And what if the, the boss said, hey, I need you on fries. And you go, I'm mm, not feeling fries today. Nah, I'm good. Uh, I'm going to need you on waffle fries today. I'm not feeling waffle fries today. I don't think I want to do that. Um, waffle fries is your assignment for today. I'm mm, feeling soft drinks. <laughs> so if you could, whoever you got on soft drinks, if you could slide down to waffle fries, I'm a drink guy today. You can hit the road, Jack. Don't come back, Ray Charles. You follow me right there? Right? And then I told them that God's word is the employee handbook. It tells you how to live. Right? And you would, and I, when I told the kids, would you do it? The kids were like, I would never do that. I would never tell God no. Then, of course, I threw down the guilt card and I said, but how do you never sing then? How do people say Jesus is the king? He died on the cross for me. I love him with all my heart. Let's fire up the band and sing. I'm not really feeling that today. Really don't even like that song. Lord, I need you. Lame. Give me a better one. Give me a better song, and I'll sing. I'm singing the songs that really is on my top ten list. Other than that, or I love this one because I've been in church my whole life. Mm, that's a new song. Mm, not doing it. Then you don't know the Bible because it says to sing a new song. Oh, my gosh. You mean i got to sing something I don't know? <laughs> yep. What do you got to sing? You got to sing every song. You don't get to check out. This is not your playlist that you're just picking out on your Spotify or your iTunes. Let me pick out my top ten. If it's not on my top ten, I'm out. Or I'm going to sing halfway. Hey, God wants his children, his royal subjects, to raise the roof in honor to the king. You are the king. Right? Now, wait a minute. Now, you're talking about Pentecostal. You've got to calm it down around there, okay? Right? I'm just saying you give me a million dollars. I'm going to kiss you on the mouth. I'll apologize to my wife later, but she'll say, good for you. I got a million dollars. You following that? I know you're saying, that, that doesn't seem, that, that, that seems weird. Do you understand? Jesus has saved your soul from the pits of hell. He's put your name in the book of life. He is currently, while you think he's up for eating cream cheese, he's building a mansion for you in glory. Build a house. Is it not enough to redeem me? And then he says, I go away to prepare a place for you. 
Mm, you've really done quite enough, Jesus. Thank you. No, no, no. I'm not done helping you yet. When you get to heaven, hold on. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful, right? See what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to get excited. Jesus loves me that much. Let's keep going. So let's, let's read a little bit. You said, there's the introduction. Colossians 1. You doing good? You, everybody go okay? Amen. Colossians 1. 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Let me stop right there. Timothy is with him, kind of hanging out, right? Timothy is his right-hand man. So Paul is under house arrest, but Timothy's kind of his scribe, his right-hand man. Where Paul goes, Timothy goes. And so Timothy came, was able to come and go. Paul's stuck, but Timothy's coming, so he's right there with him. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. I'll pause right there to tell you that sometimes when the Bible says and, a better translation would be that are. So I, when I read that, when I first came across that, to the saints and faithful brothers, like there's two different groups of people. Like the saints aren't faithful. The faithful brothers aren't saints. But if you read it closer, it's more like to the saints that are faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. I'll pause right there to tell you this. The Gentile Greek, now most of you have heard when, it, when, when the Jewish community gets together, they'll say the word shalom, right? You've heard that before. That means peace, right? It means peace to you. Well, the Gentiles used to say grace to you. So the Gentiles are saying grace to you. The Jews are saying peace to you. Paul says we're all in this together. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father. In other words, we're all one big family under God our Father. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop right there because that's important when you see Lord Jesus Christ because there's three things. There's three terms right there. Lord, when you see Lord, what Paul's saying right there is he is over it all. He is divine. He is God. Everybody understand this, that Jesus is God, right? And then he goes, Jesus, but yet he's also human. That's the humanity. Jesus, who was God, became man. That's what we're getting ready to celebrate. Amen? I love Christmas. You know why I love Christmas? Because Jesus came for me. He made himself a human. Oh, for me. It's amazing. It's Christmas coming up soon. Like, don't rush me. Let's get through Thanksgiving first. Divine, human, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the Messiah. Messiah, the one we've been waiting for this whole time. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, Paul says, when we pray for you, we always thank God when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has made known to us your love 
in the Spirit. That's all we're going to get to today, the first eight verses. And so I kind of felt like, well, I'll tell you something. I, I, I'm always talking about movies or food, so you just got to forgive me. I just can't help myself. One of my favorite things, right? You've heard me say this before. I love a hot donut. Anybody else like hot donuts, like the Krispy Kreme hot donut? Where you at? One person? Kevin, you're it? Okay, come on now. Like, you don't want to admit it like you're an addict or something? Like, oh, I like hot donuts too. I've had 12 before. Don't tell anybody. Right? I mean, it's okay. But one of my favorite things, so I, I grew up in a choir and band, and we sold Krispy Kreme donuts like constantly. Krispy Kreme. It's donut time again, so we sell donuts, right? Isn't the band selling them now? Greenwood Band, marching band, got to get them donuts sold. We sold. I sold donuts so much. But one of my favorite, now I like the hot donut, but you can't find the hot donut. What I like is that white cream-filled Krispy Kreme with the chocolate on top. Mm, mm, mm. You Bavarian cream people, that yellow stuff, I'm not sure about that. It's the white stuff you want, not the yellow Bavarian cream. You want the white cream filled. It's wonderful. But sometimes it takes you a bite or two to get to it. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm, I'm saying all that to say this. In the middle of this passage, I, I know I got the donuts. I don't know why I got the donuts, but I'm going to have to get one now. So in the middle of this passage is the word tucked away, the gospel. Because here's what I think. I think Paul's trying to emphasize in those first eight verses that the key to everything is the gospel. It's in the center it ought to be, now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's good news. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel. And can I tell you, like we were saying earlier about Jesus, it's got to be about the gospel. We've got people that need to hear the gospel. Some of you this morning, you've been in church, but you still haven't heard the gospel. Or you've heard it so much, but it really hasn't impacted you on the inside. Right? We can play church. That's why I've known people that have been to church for 20 years, and all of a sudden they come to Christ. Why? They've danced around the gospel, but the gospel's never entered into their hearts. Because when you meet the gospel, when you are impacted by, come on, somebody help me this morning. When you're impacted by the gospel, can I tell you, everything changes. Right? We talked about this recently, how the Word of God, all of a sudden life becomes technicolor, right? Everything becomes alive because now I understand, oh, the gospel. And so I, what I see in the first eight verses of this, that we're going to look at for just a few minutes, is the idea that the gospel leaves behind a fingerprint on our lives. There are certain qualities and characteristics that the gospel impacts us. The gospel ought to make a difference in your life. It's not religion. Hello. It's not just church attendance. It can't be just now that I just, I'm just trying to become a good person. No, the gospel changes you. It makes an impact. It leaves a mark. There's a fingerprint. Jesus puts his fingerprint on your heart. Think about that. And now all of a sudden, I live different, walk different, talk different. I look at the world different. Why? I've got the gospel. And Jesus has put his fingerprint on my life and on my heart, and it changes everything. So let's look at some of these. Can you get me to that next slide with the fingerprints, Mike? I want you to see this, and let's pull out some of these real quick. 
So the first fingerprint of the gospel is thankful, right? Thankful. He says this, we always, verse 3, thank God. Can I tell you real quick that the gospel will make you thankful? You believe that? Now, it, if you notice, he didn't say sometimes thankful. Paul says we always thank. You know, what we've got to do is find perspective that helps me always be thankful. The gospel causes me to always be thankful, to have an attitude of gratitude and to live in such a way that I'm thankful. God, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that you've saved me. Because can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what your circumstances look like this week. It doesn't matter what your health is or what your finances look like or how your relationships are. If you've got the gospel, you should be thankful. If you've got the gospel, you should be thankful. And then he says it makes us prayerful. We always thank God, the Lord of our, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. How's your prayer life? Because the gospel ought to impact your prayer life. We've got to be. You cannot separate Christianity. Well, I'm not really into prayer, but I love Jesus. Wait, hold on. H hold on. I, I really love the gospel. I love the impact it has on my life. But prayer is just not my thing. I'm just not, I'm just not comfortable praying. Right? And can I tell you, the prayer language is for you is the language that you speak. You follow that? I know we've taken the prayer language. I'm, I'm just saying, some people say, well, I'm just not real comfortable praying. I, I grew up in a small church. And they would, the pastor would call on certain people to pray to end a service or in the middle of a service. Brother so-and-so, say a prayer of benediction. Well, then so-and-so would stand up, usually an older gentleman, and his voice would drastically change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, this I was just a kid, and I'm like, man, he speaks the king language language. How is he able to do that? Father God, thou artest the greatest thing. He's like rolling his R's, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, what's happening right now? And then, amen. How's it going, guys? You understand? And I think sometimes we try to put on this front. But what God wants to do, can I tell you, is to hear you pray. Is to hear you talk to him. In the car, in the morning, in the evening. Right? Just be people of prayer. When you're by yourself, when you're with others. When someone says, hey, here's a need. Just pray. And can I tell you, there's nothing in the Bible that says your prayers have to be 15 minutes. Some of the greatest prayers are under 15 seconds. It's God. I, I love Peter's famous prayer when he's sinking. Lord, save me. That's all it took. That's all it took. Right? And it's got to be more than just, God, I've had three bites of my food. Lord, bless it. Because I'm not feeling just guilty. Our Lord, keep that light green. Oh, Lord, you know I need you. Lord, I need you. I'm 15 minutes late for work. I need you. Right? Prayer has to be constant communication and communion with God. We have to pour our heart out to God. And then it can't be just talking. Right? It's listening. It's communicating. It's being still before the Lord. It's prayerful. Then he talks about since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. My question to you today is what's your faith in? What's your faith in? Our faith is in Christ Jesus. We don't need to have faith in things. We have faith in people. Understand that? Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel has made that impact in my life. It's made me thankful. It's made me prayerful. It's increased my faith. And for the love and of the love that you have for all the saints. Let me, let me read this for you real quick. This is from the Bible. 
We love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. You know that verse. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have for him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wait a minute, that's not in the Bible. I just read it. It's 1 John chapter 4. This is from the Bible. So a lot of people say, I love God, I just hate people. What? Or this is one I hear all the time now. Well, I love God, I just don't love the church. I believe the English term for that is oxymoron. Or maybe just moron. Right? I love the Lord with all my heart. Well, I'll see you on Sunday. Uh, I'm not really a church person. Well, then you're not really a God person. You're deceived. Right? You're deceived because God, right? Unless you want to start cherry picking scripture, that's fine. Because that's what you have to do at that point. Right? I don't go to church because, well, I don't, well, you don't, so you don't believe in this verse and you don't believe, well, I, you can't do that. Either it's all true or none of it is. Right? Not forsaking the assembly together. I'm a little iffy on that one. You know, I'm not really for that. I don't really like that verse. I want to just kind of excuse that one. How about the do not murder? Let's just kick that one out too. I don't know about that. And adultery. Let's just throw that one out the window too. I'm just going to you know, cherry pick my Bible. And just, you can't do that. Right? And let's do a study if you're not sure about the word together. Because it's in there. A lot. The word together is in the Bible. Often, because can I tell you something? We were meant to live together. And can I tell you what the devil's done? It's destroyed us by pulling us apart. It's happening in our churches. It's happening in our families, right? What did he do with the family? He took dads and just threw them out, right? No dads. Tore the family apart. Tore the church apart. Tore our nation apart. And all we want to do is we're either on the right or we're on the left. Can I tell you Jesus is king over all of it. Right? And we're going to have to go with his plan and we're going to have to do it his way. We're going to have to love people. Yeah, but I'm only going to love the people that are nice to me. Mm, that sounds like Jesus. Yeah, that sounds like Jesus. I'm only going to love the people I agree with. Hello, Jesus is hanging on a cross saying Father, forgive them. Right? Can we get some of that? Can we ask God to show us his heart and that the fingerprint of the gospel would be that I would love like Jesus? Well, I want to love but just people like me and that like me and people like, you know, people I don't want to kill. I love those people. But there's people I just want to hit in the face and I ain't loving them. And that's not the gospel, church. We have got to love. It's one of, we got to have faith, we got to have love, and then I love this. He talks about the hope, right? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Oh, my goodness. I, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Some of us men went to go pray for Scott Peak. Most of you know he's got cancer. He's going home soon. Um, and he was, he, so we, we can't go in the room, but we went up to the window, you know, and, and we stood at the window. We sang our men's song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Some of us put our hands on the glass and we just prayed for Scott. And you know what Scott kept saying? I could hear he only said one thing. I want to go home. That's what he said. I want to go home. And some people would think, you talking about Terrace Avenue? No, 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 no. That's not where he's wanting to go. He knows. Me and Scott talked a lot. 
about what home is. And home is not here. Home is up there. Can I get an amen? Home is heaven. And for those of us that know God, Scott's going home soon. And Scott yearns and longs. He wants to go home. And now, why don't God take him? That's where we have to trust. God's got, our days are numbered. It's perfect timing. God knows what he's doing. We're trusting God in this whole process. Partly because Scott's ministering to people in his state in the nursing home. You think that prayer meeting outside the glass of his window didn't make a difference? It did because people are talking about it. People are talking about how that one guy in that one room, people show up outside his window and just start praying. We're making a difference. Scott's life's making a difference as long as he's here. You following that? And so you understand the Bible tells me right there that my hope is in heaven. So you've had a bad week. So what? You're going to heaven one day. Right? I don't know about you, but when I watch the news today, it just makes me want to go to heaven. I know a lot of people are like, I get mad, I want to do something about it. No, I just, God, take me home, Lord, help. I want to be through all this. And thank God for the promise of heaven. Thank God for, I'm telling you what, if you've missed Wednesday night, you've missed it. We've talked about grief share heaven. We had a whole class on heaven. I'm fired up about heaven. I'm going to heaven one day. And guess what? When I get to heaven one day, I won't have to wake up in the morning and hear snap, crackle, pop. And that's not even my cereal. That's my body. Right? Want to wake up and won't have to feel cranky or ill or hungry or tired or just whatever. Right? Right? I'm, are you, is anybody else at the age that you just go to bed not sure how you're going to feel the next morning? Like, I'm going to go to bed. Oh, dear God, please help me to feel better than this. I don't want to Then the next morning you're like, well, Lord, I love you anyway. But oh, my Lord, help who did, did that grizzly bear come into bed and fight me last night? What happened? I thought rest was supposed to be restful. Right, you following? But one day there'll be heaven. One day there'll be no more, no more trouble, no more pain, no more strife. Heaven. And that is hopeful. That is hopeful. That this life may end, but the life to come will never end. We have hope. And the gospel also causes us to bear fruit, right? He talks about this, uh, bearing fruit, verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you. So let me ask you this. How, how's the gospel impact you? Are you bearing fruit? Is it increasing in you? Is the, is the power of the gospel, is it increasing in you? Because it can't just be the gospel, but it's increasing, it's growing, it's bearing fruit. The fruit bears more from year to year. Your life bears more fruit from year to year as you experience the gospel and the impact of the gospel on your life. So do you have the fingerprints of the gospel? Let's look, look at the last verse real quick because I think this is interesting. And he has made known to us your love in the spirit. So Paul is writing about Epaphras told me, boy, you guys knew how to love. Now, he's going to deal with their doctrine. He already has started it a little bit. See, the, the, the Colossians had good love, bad doctrine, and they got to fix this. And that's what this whole letter is about. Because they didn't recognize who Jesus was completely. So my question to you today, just go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. I, Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 Southeast Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. 
We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day, and always remember that Jesus changes everything.